0: See the bombers fly up, up to win the premiership flag. Our boys who play this candle game are always
1: striving for glory and fame. See the It's time to welcome Dan the Man, Eddie, as we said at the head of the show, books out galore, and what he's got coming out now is a series of podcasts which is the Talking Parrots podcast which is all about the Lee and Football Netball Club and he's very generous for his time thanks very much Dan how
0: are you mate? G'day, Brad. Well, thanks, mate. And I can hear that song over and over again, so feel free to play that anytime you like.
1: Well, that's the other thing, isn't it? A lot of people, because of everything that you do, they forget. Tell us quickly about your role at Essendon. What do you do there?
0: Uh, I'm the club's historian, so they sort of reach out when they need to know uh, or need some clarification on history and, and things like that. And I'm involved uh, heavily with the past players. I do a with them, just, just recording all their... Stories for you know for future generations, hopefully, and um, it's important to get them all on tape. So I, I love doing that, and the past players are a fantastic help with me. So yeah, it's 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 been a fun experience over the last uh, few years just being involved with them on that on that front.
1: So I said at the head of the show about all your books, but the the latest one or the last one that came out was a football genius, a Peter Hudson story. Now I just want to play a little bit of an excerpt that uh, the great Jared Waitley. Uh, mentioned about your book on his show the other night with Robbo. I went Peter Hudson for similar sorts of reasons. So the genius footballer and a lovely man. And I would imagine like a huge number of 4th supporters who've travelled through the years to the games in Launceston, you always bump into Huddo on a plane, at the airport, at the grounds. And then it was really when Dan Eddy wrote that book a couple of years ago, A Football Genius, that you should remember the you immerse yourself in the full context of it so 5 tonnes with Hawthorne in the years he was there 150 in 1971 but then you put his whole football his senior football yep, career yep, yep. take in Tasmania so New Norfolk then Hawthorne and then Glenorchy he played 288 games and he kicked 1791 <laughs> goals so I thought so just give me quick p- plug, a quick plugger comparison he played 281 games for 1362
0: yeah.
1: Really. So 1,721 goals. How would he be feeling right now with the uh, announcement of Tasmania?
0: Oh, he'd be um, ecstatic, yeah. And, and uh, it's funny, Hawthorne actually, this week – happened to uh, fly him in on the helicopter into Waverley. Just uh, <laughs> It's 50 years, would you believe it? 50 years in a few weeks since he did, he famously flew uh, or landed near Waverley and then played that comeback game and uh, yeah, you can read about it in my book but uh, it's definitely uh, his his story is remarkable but he's always been passionate about the Tassie thing. He was in instrumental actually in getting those first few games at Tassie that involve St Kilda um, and then Hawthorne took it over and, um, and it was all about getting a NFL matches in Tassie, and so um, the aim ultimately was to get a team of his own, but he, along with everyone, was sort of worried about the how the finance side of thing was going to go and um, thankfully the AFL's been able to and the state government and everyone's been able to work that out so that they can make it happen so uh, there would not be a person in Tassie I don't think who wouldn't be excited about the fact that they're going to have their own team in a few years
1: mm, I'm really looking forward to the naming of this stadium and I'll be uh, a little bit disappointed if it's not called the Peter Hudson Stadium uh, for mine What do you rec- it, will it be named after one of the greats you think?
0: Uh, you, you know what it's like today with, uh, with the um, sponsors and you know most stadiums have weird names now to do with whatever sponsor is. We've got Marvel Stadium in, in Melbourne now but uh, there's a million different stadiums around the world that are named. I think one was called Dot com-something stadium. and, and <laughs> So I, I get the feeling it may come down to a sponsor, but you'd hope at least that he'd have his own end or his own something inside yeah. the ground. But it will be a multi-purpose stadium, so they probably don't want to just label it a footy thing, but you'd hope inside the ground there's some recognition of him.
1: You would think so. And uh, the name Hudson uh, is quite commonly known around Gather for another reason too, Dan.
0: Mm, sure is, yeah. I mean, Paul Hudson, when he finished up, his AFL career, he, he came down and coached at Langatha for a couple of years, and um, along with Andrew Dunkley from the Swans. And um, and as it, when he was coaching, Pete would drive down from Melbourne every Thursday night, go to training, then have a dinner, hang around. Uh, they'd, they'd have their talk. Then they'd drive back to Melbourne and then he'd come down and help out on game day. So speak to Pete and he's every time he sees me, he asks about Langatha identities that he met along the way. And he, the, him and Paul just absolutely loved their uh, their brief time here. And then Paul went on to coach at Gippsland Power and they won their only premiership under him. And again, Pete was a big help there. So he's yeah, he has a real affinity with the, the Gippsland region.
1: So the Talking Parrots podcast, they're up and away. I think you're into your third
0: one. Is that right? Um, yeah, I've done four or five now, mate. Oh, Actually, sorry. Uh, I've missed a couple. No. Yeah, no, they're slowly getting there. It's, it's I do a similar thing with Essendon, as I said, with their past players. And I thought, you know, there's no I, – I live in Langatha and there's no – there's no. I, I would doubt there's a one done on a country footy club anywhere in the country, probably. So I um, – I thought, why not try and do this? I've got the equipment, why don't I try and do this at Langatha? Because it has such a rich history and there's so many local identities as such and it's a good way also to help the the younger generation recognise what the older generations did. You see, one thing about Langatha is a lot of past premiership players, footy and netball, they're still around the club and uh, there's a real passing of the baton on, but there's a lot of faces there where you probably see them and say hello, but you don't fully understand their what role they played in the club. So I'm hoping to try and, as well as interview current players, but also um, interview a lot of those past players and presidents and supporters to get an idea of of what made the club what it is today. And and it, and I've noticed even in these first few episodes that, um, you know, people are coming up and saying they're loving the se- people that wouldn't have normally stopped and talked to me are suddenly uh, really recognising and appreciating the, the theories and it's, it's created a really good buzz. So I think it's helping to generate a bit of discussion in the community.
1: I reckon you've started something. I think you'll probably find... <laughs> Uh, this will take off, and others will be doing it around the country clubs now because you would know better than anyone there there is some great stories in these country footy clubs and some of the names just reel off some of the names that you you've just got in the top of the cranium right now that have actually played at lean Gather because there's some good names
0: yeah they've had have had a good history in terms of afl players uh, of recent recently uh, Dyson Heppel and Jared Ruffhead, and Yeah, Dyson's brother, uh, Aaron, plays in the seniors here and won a premiership last year. And Dyson was actually there a couple of Saturdays ago. I had my six-year-old with me. I said, guess who's sitting on the fence there watching watching them play? And he couldn't believe that Essendon's... Former captain was sitting there, so he still comes back and watches. Uh, Jared Ruffhead, as I said, um, also Stuart Wigney, who's went to the Bulldogs and played there at Footscray in the 80s and early 90s. He's, he's um, a partner in the McCartans pub there in Lee and Gather? Yeah, him and Ruffy is, and Darren Lehman, actually, are mm. uh, uh, the three co owners, but uh, Stu runs the pub and he's also one of the assistant coaches at Gatha, so he's still heavily involved. Yeah, as I said, Paul Hudson, Andrew Dunkley have been through there. Uh, Steve Wallace whose son has yep. been playing the last few years um, Mitch Wallace um, the Salmon a handful of others the Salmons uh, Ian Salmon yeah, yeah obviously the Salmon yeah, we talk about family clubs and that the Salmon family. There's this great photo of the four Salmon brothers all played together in a game in a premiership at Langatha In, got to think of the date. No, I think it might be early '80s. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a great photo and that that family. I mean, Casey Salmon, who who is the niece of Ian. She um she she started playing before I. You know, I went to high school with her and she was a gun player then. And now, 25 years later, she's still the <laughs> the best player at the club. So, uh, So the Salmon family have really gone through. And, yeah, so the names, yeah, there's a handful more that have gone on to play AFL as well. So it's, it's really produced a lot of real quality and netball as well. It's produced some real quality sports people.
1: Of those, it seems to me from what I hear that that's one of those towns that the ones that have played there – if they've gone to Melbourne for, uh, whether it be uni or some work over a period of time, they tend to get back to Lee and Gatha, don't they?
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I have no doubt Dyson Heppel will come back and play here at some point when he's finished. Whether to play with his brother or just to round out the circle as such and come back and play for Lee Gather I get... You see him in the rooms, and you see that he's there's still a real love for the club. So I, I would not be surprised if he comes back. Uh, Commonwealth Games runner from from down here, Kayla. <laughs> she'll kill me for that, but but Kayla and her husband are around the club now. He's an assistant coach, so they um they've come back from. Uh, he's been she represented Australia the last Commonwealth Games, I think it was in, in one of the distance runs, and she's come back. Uh, the great great high jumper. Eleanor Patterson. She's yes. from down here as well. Um, but she's been away, but she comes back when she can. And so it's, it really generates some really talented sports people, this area. I don't know if it's in the water, mate, or it's mm. just the, the- – the pretty views or what it might be, or maybe it's the drinks at McCartan's pub, but whatever <laughs> it is, it produces uh, some really quality sports people. And they, you're right, they do seem to always remember where they came from. And if they do get the chance to come back, you see them around the club.
1: And part of your career, well, obviously, you you donned on the parrot green and gold jumper yourself, Dan.
0: Play about five minutes, my two brothers, and then um, might have even been two minutes, and then the groin went, and that was the end of it. <laughs> but we can say that we did play a game, game together here.
1: When does it date back to? Like, when was the club formed?
0: Yeah, well, it goes back to 1894. Wow. Um, yeah, so it's 130 years next year, which is remarkable. And it's had a lot of – it's been in um, – I think you can probably Wikipedia it and see all the different leagues that Langath has been in over the years, but mm. there's probably been, say, 10 or 11 different competitions before they settled in the one they are now, the Gippsland League. and. Um, you know, they were in the South Gippsland League for many years, and, and it wasn't until 1968, I think it was, when they um, broke away and joined the Gippsland League because it was stronger than the league they were in, and they, they just felt that they were ready to go to that next level. And it, it, I think they. Finished maybe maybe won four games that first year or six games and then the next year they won the premiership so that sort of solidified them as a as a team in the Gippsland League and I, I feel throughout its history I mean you know how big Langatha is compared to a Torrington or a Sale or mm. or wherever and and um, they always seem to have. Proudly punched above their weight in footy and netball, and um, yeah, and that's that's a real badge of honour for them. And at the moment, they're on a, a winning streak of 33 senior wins in a row, which is which is unbelievable. And if it wasn't for COVID, there's a good chance they might have three or four premierships in a row. So um, they're they're going through probably one of their all-time great eras at the moment. But uh, there's been success littered along the way, and um, yeah, and it is a real badge of honour for the club to be going so well in in one of the strongest leagues I guess in the in the state.
1: Yeah, and that's, uh, the crazy thing is on this this current 33 game streak is that they're not just winning, Dan. They are pulverizing some sides at times.
0: Yeah, well they, one Thaggy gave them a scare in round 2. It was only mm-hmm. about a goal or difference, and that was a real tight one. It looked like for a while they might get up, but um, but aside from that, yeah, it's it's scary to think that some of these guys are still pretty young as well, and you think, geez, there's there's a bit going on. <laughs> there's, there's this real unique group of uh, people together, coached by Trent McMicking, who's doing a great job. And it's I spoke with the star player of the league, really, Tom Marriott, who many say will be one of Langath's all-time greats when he eventually hangs up the boots. Hopefully, it's not for a while yet. And he's their star sentiment slash ruck rover slash <laughs> everything. And and he said just. People want to be here," he said. That almost all the players are from the area. Like we haven't had to ship in 20 blokes from Melbourne or any. There is a few that might live down there or work down there, and they come back. But for the most, they are all local people, mainly. And they're actually playing in the points the way the point system's set up for. You know how you have your playing list and you have your point system. most weeks they're well under the limit. And this is the team that's the best team in the competition. So it just shows the culture, I think, of the place that they're wanting to be here. You go in the rooms, I know winning helps, but you just be around the club and you can tell that the bond between all of them, footy, netball, supporters, everything is is quite unique. Some clubs I go, you have your clicks or you have your, it can depend if you're having a good successful time or if you're losing a lot, it might not be as fun, but there's just this real bond uh, amongst this whole club, which is quite remarkable, um, yeah, and it's it's showing on the field.
1: So, the Talking Parrots podcast. How can uh, our listeners get on? To, how do they get onto that to listen to it, Dean? Yeah,
0: there's a Facebook page where I post all the the new episodes, which is literally called Talking Parrots Podcast. Um, it's available. It's on Buzzsprout. I'm still getting my head around technology, mate. So you're probably better than me, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I dare say everyone has a Facebook page, so if you go and check that out, you'll find all the links. Um, and I think the link at the Football Netball Club um, social media pages, they, they post everything that I, I do as well, so you'll be able to access it there, and it's pretty easy. It's just to click on the link and then press the play button, and you can hear, hear um, yeah, I've interviewed uh, the, the first president when we got into the Gippsland League, and then I've interviewed Tommy Marriott, and the other day I interviewed a mother-daughter netball combination, uh, Brooke Brown and Taylor Brown, who are legends at the club as well. And, um, yeah, so it's there's, there's a bit there for everyone. It's, uh, you know, a premiership coach from 1977, and uh, Cole Boyd, who played at Essendon and at the Parrots. So I've done two podcasts with him, and uh, he's a premiership coach here in 1989. So, yeah, there's, um, there's a bit there for everyone, hopefully. And, uh, yeah, as you say, it might just start to lead to other clubs doing it, mate, down the track. Uh, I just need to, if anyone wants to sponsor me, feel free to get in touch as well, We com, because uh, that would make uh, my job a bit easier too, because you know it's a, f- uh, a lot of work uh, putting these podcasts together, but uh, it's a lot of fun too.
1: Yeah, now, before I let you go, we've got to talk about your latest instalment of your footy books. Brilliance and brutality about Carlton and Richmond Grand Finals of 1972 and 73. Fifty years. Can you believe it's That's
0: fifty t- years? Well, yeah, I know I know you've told me in the past how you were um, you were eight or nine years old and you can remember those games. So that tells you how I you that fifty years has gone quick for you and um 70 we think whenever you talk about great grand finals we all know about 1970 the Carlton comeback against Collingwood and it probably means that it overshadows 1972 but if anyone's got a spare couple of hours get on YouTube and watch the 1972 grand Mm. final and you'll be you'll be absolutely blown away by the just pure football that is played and um that score that day, the accumulative score between Carlton and Richmond remains the highest ever in a grand final. Uh, even 50 years on, with all the advancements in technology and the perfect grounds and a roof on a stadium, we still still haven't been able to beat that. So that just shows how amazing and unique that game was. Um, so I've interviewed all the key people, John Nichols, Alex Cheslenko, um, yeah, all those key, Ron Barassi, all the ones that were involved in the lead-up years, and and then Richmond because they lose that game, there's a real fire in the belly next year, and that's when the famous Neil Baum incidents in the 73 grand final and Laurie Fowler knocks out Big John Nichols, Carlton's coach, and uh, it all goes Richmond's way and they get their revenge. So I thought, why not tell the story of the two grand finals from both clubs' perspectives? And um, it's, been, it's been great fun piecing that together and, and telling it from both sides. And, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to some pretty exciting events with, with players from both clubs.
1: Yeah, looking forward to that read, Dan. As always, all your books, I love to read. It just takes me there. And it's just been a few of your books that have taken me back to my childhood. And Larrikin, Larrikins and Legends was probably the major one there. And the Peter Hudson one, and they've taken me back to my childhood. Now this one is going to take me back to... The things are when you went to school and you fought with, as a Carlton supporter, you just fought with every Richmond supporter at school and you hung crap on each other. and They were from these games. So I look forward to reading them. Mate, thanks very much for joining us. Um, All the best with the Talking Parrots podcast too uh, with the Lee and Gatha Footy Netball Club. Look forward to keep listening to some of those. Thanks for your time, buddy.
0: Appreciate it. And keep doing what you're doing, mate, because you're uh, revealing a lot of stories of the area as well, which uh, is fascinating for everyone, I'm sure.